Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you for another author interview and of course this week's new releases. Today I'm very excited to share an interview that I did with Lana Harper. You may remember she was on the podcast last fall for the release of her first book, Payback's a Witch, and she came back to talk with me about the second book in that series, which is From Bad to Cursed. So, let's get into it. I will, of course, start out with the usual housekeeping information, and then we will go into the interview, and then I will dive in to this week's new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am delighted to welcome author Lana Harper back to Book Bistro. We are here to talk about her second novel, From Bad to Cursed, which is the follow-up to last year's Paybacks, of which this is releasing in the U.S. on the day of recording, which is actually May 17th. Lana, thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, thank you so much for having me again, Shannon. I can't believe that we're back. <laughs> we are. So can you give listeners a little bit of a rundown of From Bad to Cursed? Um, you know, maybe kind of explain a little bit about how it ties into Payback and just sort of the you know, basic stuff that you'd want people to know before picking this one up. Yeah, so From Bad to Cursed is the second installment um, in the Witches of Thistle Grove series. It is technically a standalone, so it's absolutely readable if you haven't read Payback's a Witch and you don't want to. Um, but it does uh, take Why wouldn't these... you want to? I know. I'm like, well, <laughs> ideally, you would read that one, too, but you can read them out of <laughs> order. It's perfectly fine. However, it does take place uh, about six months after the events of the first book. Um, it's actually... Um, uh, it's based on the Beltane Festival and holiday, which happens in May. So the entire book takes place 
essentially during the like month long festivities that the Thistle Grove witches carry out for Beltane. Uh, the kind of nutshell summary is that it's an enemies to lovers romance. Uh, and it's about Isadora Abramov, who is Talia Abramov's um, younger sister. She's a chaotic, neutral, demon summoning sorceress, very spicy, also very anxious because you can be both. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she is thrown together with her arch nemesis, Rowan Thorne, who is the scion of the Thorne family and a very lawful, good um, green magic healer. Um, and they have to solve the mystery surrounding a necromantic curse together. So they, be- they become reluctant partners and also discover that perhaps their arch nemesis ship actually hides a pretty, a pretty spicy attraction <laughs> to each other. I love them together. You know, at first I wasn't sure kind of how that was going to be because the glimpses that we got of both of these people in the first book, you know, you're kind of like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I can't really imagine them working together, let alone, you know, actually falling for one another. But as the story went on, you could really see the things that like drew them together kind of at the same time as they were like pushing them apart. I'm so glad that that came through because I desperately wanted to write about the two of them. Um, and that's why I sort of had that, um, that one very, uh, high animosity scene between the two of them and payback because I really wanted those hate vibes to be super strong in the beginning. Sometimes I find that enemies to lovers romances don't <laughs> start with enough hatred. So I felt like, you know, I really want to ground them in what is like functionally a very silly arch nemesis ship, like obviously without any spoilers, like the things that they're <laughs> against each other as grudges are kind of ridiculous, but it does, you know, they're symbolic for this very basic difference between them, which is they're, they're functionally and fundamentally different people, both magic wise and personality wise, but they work really well together. Um, and it's sort of like very circle of life thing. There's, you know, space for both darkness and light and the two of them are kind of embodiments of that. And so I'm really glad that it felt like an organic progression between them. It definitely felt that way to me while I was writing it. Well, and I think, you know, when we look at people that we don't like for whatever reason, like, yes, there are some people that we really don't like for like big, serious reasons. And, you know, sometimes that's justified. But I think a lot of the people that we come in contact with that we're just kind of like, oh, you know, like those aren't necessarily all because of super serious, you know, important issues. I think we all sort of dislike people now and again, for what might seem to be kind of silly, ridiculous reasons. Yeah, that's exactly that. So a lot of that is so often very superficial. Um, And then once you get past kind of that that top crust of um, really, really just stuff that doesn't matter in the long run, um, it's very interesting to discover the ways that people can complement each other, even if they're not necessarily similar, even if they have a hard time understanding each other. Um, there's a lot of growth that can happen between people who are who are very different and sometimes even more so than between people who are already similar. You know, there's no rough edges. There's nothing to sand over. There's nothing to accommodate. So I think it's a, it's always a very interesting opportunity to in both in real life and in books to really showcase um, the growth of a relationship. I also really enjoyed getting to know Issa and her family because, you know, we we see them. Um, through Emmy's eyes in, in Payback, and we get to know, you know, a lot about Talia, but we don't necessarily see sort of how that family functions 
until we are actually seeing things through Izzy's le- or Iza's lens and, you know, actually seeing like what her experiences are as a member of this family and kind of how her magic, you know, feels very organic to her in the same way that like, you know, the, the very positive green magic feels to the thorns. Um, I was very committed to, uh, one, I'm, I'm just to start an Avramoff stan. I love them. They're, they're my favorite family. Like you're not supposed to play favorites, but I do. And they're the ones that I, that I wish I was, but I really wanted to show that, uh, a dark family, sort of the grayscale, morally ambiguous family could also be very loving and very supportive yes. and very tight knit. And that's what they are. I mean, Issa loves her mother and she loves her siblings and all of them are super supportive of each other, but it's complicated. Like many families, you know, there are expectations. There are these kind of maybe outdated ideas of what people should be. And so I wanted to show that, you know, you can have these doubts and qualms about your place in a family while also acknowledging like, wow, I really love these people. Like they've made me who I am. The sacrifices have been worth it. And that's the interesting thing about their magic is that it's unlike um, really any of the other families, like they really kind of pay a price for, for kind of skirting that close to the dark. And I wanted to show that yes. that's a cool thing, right? Like a fun thing that they enjoy and that they willingly embrace. Right. Because a lot of people tend to, look kind of down, look askance at Issa and Talia and, you know, really kind of question like what they do and and why it's necessary. And yet, as we see in, you know, the novels, there is a very real need for that darkness within Thistle Grove. It's almost like um, if you have any familiarity with, uh, either sort of astrology or with uh, real life craft and the occult. It's like what people refer to yes. as shadow work. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so, so that's really what they are. Like the Abramovs are Thistle Grove's shadow work. Um, they're the ones who explore the difficult things, um, the scary stuff, and they make it accessible for everybody else. And they get like a fair amount of crap for it from the other families because that's sort of what happens when you deal with death. People don't like to think about that. I don't even really like to think about it except for fictionally. So it's just one of those things where um, their entire family is a conduit to something that makes people uncomfortable. And so, of course, the thorns are going to have this kind of built in issue because the thorns are like, oh, I can make plants grow. Everything is green and beautiful. And the Abramovs are like, yeah, but they're going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your plants, they're super pretty now, but eventually they'll be dead. So it's one of those uh, interesting juxtapositions that I think happens in in real life as well, though obviously not to that extreme. Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. So will we see more of Thistle Grove coming from you or... Have we kind of left it behind for now? No, actually, we will be seeing more. So, yeah, Back in a Spell is the next story, and that comes out next January. And it's the Thistle Grove version of a Christmas story. It's a Yule story. Oh, Yule. Yeah. And it's a 
Uh, I'm I'm scared to even say this, but I love writing it so much that actually now I'm I'm fully leaning in. Um, it's Nina Blackmore's story, so it's gonna be from the oh. Blackmore family's perspective. Yeah, we're gonna get to do a real deep dive into why are they as messed up as they are, uh, what their whole deal is, and hopefully get a little bit of a sympathetic <laughs> glimpse into them. But the romance is between Nina Blackmore and Morty Gutierrez, uh, the owner of the Shamrock Cauldron. So it's gonna be the first witch um, and Thistle Grove normie romance that I've done whoa <laughs> yeah, okay I'm very excited about it um uh it's again I keep writing these books and I'm like okay this one's my favorite and that's what I said about from bad to cursed um even though I love payback so much and then I wrote back in a spell and back in a spell was actually the only one of the books so far that I cried during a scene while I wrote it which is not a thing I that happens to me frequently but it did happen in that book so it's like a very emotionally turbulent book in, com- in comparison to the other two. Ooh, okay. I will be keeping an eye out for this then as we get closer and closer to January. See, this is why it's good that we're almost halfway through 2022 because then <laughs> we don't have that much longer to wait. <laughs> That's a wonderful perspective. Yes, it's a time moving uh, subjectively quickly is actually wonderful purely for the reason of my books. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Yes, for your books, for all books, like I'm always looking ahead, you know, at what's coming out. And I'm like, okay, so this, you know, it's not going to be here until like, you know, in your case, January. And I'm like, okay, but really, like, look how fast it got to be, you know, almost June. So January. (laughs) It's like around the corner. One of my um, recent favorite reads actually comes out in September. It's Jilly Ganyu's All Dressed Up. Um, I don't know if that's on your radar. It's amazing it's like a meta mystery um and it happens over the course of a of one of those mystery themed 1920s weekends at this fancy estate uh oh, and a real this. murder happens <laughs> yeah I, I need this like right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you do the cover is amazing too it's like this hot pink and there's these like fancy helix staircases it's very cool i have been um anticipating a historical novel for the past several months, it doesn't come out till the end of August. And I was looking at my um, my Audible pre-orders and it said something like it would be released in 101 days. And I'm like, oh, wait, like that it still <laughs> seems so long when you put it like that. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, but then you have to put it in perspective and be like, well, a month is like 30, 31 days. That's actually (laughs) only a little bit over three months because that's 90 days. But yeah, I I agree. That's a daunting number. I don't like it. (laughs) You have to live through 101 days before you get to read this. Like that just sucks. I'm not not for you at all. No, I I was very upset with this. So what else are you looking forward to that's coming out or what else have you read recently that you think other people should know about? Oh, I have read a lot of really fun stuff recently, but um, in terms of stuff that's coming out, I don't actually remember the release date of Ashley Herring Blake's next book. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Why are you talking? Marker doesn't fail. Yeah. Oh, I just read Delilah Green um last week and I loved it so much. Yeah, it's uh it's wonderful. Just everything she writes is amazing. Um but I I really really love Astrid Parker. Um I got to have a sneak peek at that one. It's wonderful. Oh. It's just like everything that you might expect except for me it hit even harder I think in some ways than Delilah. So that's awesome. That's coming up soon. Um 
I remember, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Longer uh, than 101 days. I know. <laughs> At least another third, wait, 60. But why don't I know days? I should really be more familiar with months than I am at this point in my life. It's like six months away right now, which is, it is. Yeah. a little bit horrible. It's entirely horrible, actually, except for me because I've read it. But for, for you, it's, it does. It is. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah. In the meantime, you could read, um, I really enjoyed uh, Claudia. I think it's just Claudia Peck. The Verifiers is the book. Oh, yes. It's so good. Yeah, so I read good. it early this year. Oh, okay. So you've already, all right, damn. Um, yeah. I, I like foisting that one on people because I'm like, it's amazing. Uh, I loved it so much. Yeah, I really liked it too. I liked kind of that, like, not, you know, super fast-paced mystery, but like that deeper kind of look at the way we use technology like how it tells us so much, but also like hides so much at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. it's, it's just wonderful. And, and the way that voice is so well fleshed out and so compelling, I feel like it's very difficult to create a narrator that you're like, I would read a hundred books by this, like narrated by this oh, one. I and I hope it's going to be a series. I got the tentative sense that that's what it was going to be, but I, I, I just loved it. I think it's, yeah, it was so, so good. There's nothing out there like it. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important when you find something that is like fresh in that way, you know, that really does what it does so well. And you can't quite find like a good comp for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know what I'd really love to read? And I feel like I haven't seen or I don't know how to search for something like this. Have you seen um, the Euphoria show? No. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. It's like I resisted it for a very long time because I was like, ah, do I really need to see like coming of age struggles and like high school teens? It's nothing like that. Like, it is nothing that you would expect. It's so beautifully flat. It's just this, like, um, highly emotional, like, gorgeously cinematographical experience. Everything about it is very artistic and high octane. And I'm like, if I could have this in a book, that's what I want to read. I'd really love to read the book version of Euphoria. And I don't know where it is, but if anybody has a recommendation for that, I'm, like, desperate for this. Maybe someone is, is currently writing it. Like, I hope so. Somewhere where we we don't know who they are or where they are, but maybe they are busily crafting it at this moment. Honestly, fingers crossed. I would really love that. Um, and I'm grateful to them in advance. I feel like someone it, it's just it's such a cultural movement of a show at this point. Someone has got to be inspired and, and is like writing their version of this. It's just it's so poignant and so beautiful. And I'm trying I'm like raking my brain for a book that made me feel that way recently. And I don't I can't come up with one. Have you come across any good witchy fiction lately, aside from your own, of course? Oh, so Rachel Harrison, um, I just, well, I had read Cackle um, right when it came out, but then it was um, out in paperback, and so I reread it, and it's wonderful, um, and she actually has a werewolf story coming out. Um, yeah, so that's going to be amazing. I'm hoping I have um, an event with her tonight and I'm going to grill her on it because I haven't gotten to read an advanced copy of it and I desperately want to. So Excellent. she has, yeah, she has that coming out. Um, I also have um, a really fun rom-com, a witchy rom-com that um, is still in my inbox. So I haven't gotten to this, but there are plenty of them in the pipeline. So we're not going to like yeah. run <laughs> anytime soon. I have um, 
Witch Please by Anna Gire sitting here. Oh, I haven't read that one. That's really fun. Yeah, it came in for me um, at the public library not too long ago. And then I saw that the second one um, was out like not too long ago. That's super fun. The one that I'm <clears throat> that I'm talking about is called Witchful Thinking. Ooh. Is, yeah, I'm really, really excited. And I can't remember the, the author's first name is Celestine. And then I can't remember her last name, but I'm dying to read it. So that is next on my list of um, witchy books. So aside from writing more of Thistle Grove, do you have anything else that you're you're working on, either like for adults or in the YA space, anything like that? Um, I have a book that I've been mulling over <clears throat> for quite a long time. I haven't formally started writing it yet, but <clears throat> it's definitely coming up um, and it's going to be, I would say, more firmly in the speculative women's fiction space. So, Ooh. yeah, um, it, it what I'm envisioning has like a little bit of a Black Mirror aspect to it, but like much more one of the more joyful episodes of Black Mirror. Oh, yes. Yeah, not one of the not one of the like real heavy like oh my god I have to go like cleanse my vibes after watching this. Um, and then I'm also doing something super fun, which is I'm freelance screenwriting for um, the Pixelberry Choices app, which is like choose your. Oh wow. Yeah, it's really, really, I did this a couple of years ago. I wrote two of their stories um, and it's a gaming app that lets you basically like play a story. So you're picking um, the character's choices um, and you're just, you know, you can replay chapters if you want and just have a completely different experience each time. And this one is especially fun because it's a historical steamy romance. So it's really Ooh. a modest river uh, and it's like mildly in the Bridgerton vein. And I've never, ever written a straight up bodice ripper. So I think this is going to be really fun. Um, and that's kind of my my second job these days. There used to be, and I, I think there still is, that like choice of app. And they have like different types of, of stories that are kind of like what you're talking about. Like they have like um, choice of the vampire. Um, there's one that I love that's choice of the cat, which, uh, which actually lets you like become a cat. That is which really is, fun. You know, like the goal of my life to. Um, <laughs> it really should be everyone's goal. <laughs> yes, to like transform into a giant fluffy cat. So choice of the cat, like maybe be happy. Um, but yeah, those remind me kind of of like the older, you know, choose your own adventure books that we had mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah, I, I used to love the Goosebumps, Choose Your Own Adventures. Um, ah, Goosebumps. Yeah, it was so much fun, and I still love them as an adult. Actually, the same author uh, that I was talking about, Jilly Ganyu, who write, wrote All Dressed Up, has a Choose Your Own Misery series. So Whoa. it's like, Choose Your Own Misery, <laughs> The Office Adventure, Choose Your Own Misery, Christmas. Like, it's just like the you know, those like most dismal sort of jaded adult life experiences. It's very dark <laughs> comedy and it's really fun. So highly recommend that if you if you enjoy Choose Your Own Adventures, but you want them to be a little bit nihilistic on top of the fun. I, I'll have to take a look at that because I haven't seen like a good uh, Choose Your Own Adventure thing in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of fell out of favor. Um you know, or else, like, I just grew up, I don't know which. 
possibly both. I think what they did was they just um, moved media. Um, and instead of books, they were, they, they've just transitioned into becoming apps or like really just any kind of playable story because it does like that kind of story really lends itself to a more visual medium, I think. So I, I, I really feel like they migrated to like the Apple store <laughs> and that's where you oh, can. Well, <laughs> nothing wrong with a bit of yeah. migrating every now totally. and again. 100% so, agree. Kind of shifting gears just to talk a little bit more about From Bad to Cursed. How was this different for you, like writing this um, as like the second book where the world was familiar to you already from having, you know, kind of been in there with payback? How how was that different? Like, how was the feel different for you? Um. It was in a certain sense, it was a lot easier because I didn't have to do as much upfront world building as I had to do with ah, Payback, yes. right? So with Payback, it was a lot of, um, I'm, I don't want to say heavy lifting because I really enjoyed doing it, but I, I know from Goodreads reviews that some people did not <laughs> appreciate the amount of kind of uh, in your face, like this is the town, these are the families, this is the history, but you have you have to lay that groundwork sometime, right? Um, and Payback sure. was working that and it was you know designed to be through Emmy's eyes because she was even though she grew up there she hadn't been back in a while and so she was kind of the perfect person to reintroduce us to this world that really needed to be explained a little bit whereas Issa has lived there her whole life so she is very familiar with you know all aspects of Thistle Grove, Ladies Lake, Hallows Hill, the way the magic works there so with her um the things that I got to do were just delve into certain aspects of it as opposed to have to explain and kind of set up the entire thing. So I got to talk more about the darker side of the magic, um, more yes. about the specific histories between the families, like why are there these certain shifting alliances? How how far back do these enmities between certain families kind of stretch? So I really um, enjoyed being able to do that without having to do any of the kind of um, harder work of setting up the world. But it was the trickier part in this story was the fact that it's a mystery. And I've never really written a mystery before, at least one that kind of follows a pr like a procedural setup. So I was like, wait a minute, how do witches even solve a mystery? I was like, they're not going to be sending specimens to labs. Like, how are they going to do this? So there was a moment where I was like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> do you know how to write this? And then I remember. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to learn if I don't know. Um, and it was. I was like, you know, it's a supernatural crime, so obviously they're going to investigate it with magic. That's what they're going to do. That's that's their main tool. And then once I let myself really kind of lean into that, um, my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes in the book is the one where um, Issa and Rowan are, uh, you know, doing the scene of the crime investigation and Issa conjures up that grayscale time lapse. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was the point where I was like, this is how they're going to investigate. Like, it's not just going to be like witness interviews or whatever. Like, they're going to do really cool magical stuff. Um, and it really kind of let me lean into that genre bending that I like to do the most because I was like, well, now it's a romance. Now it's paranormal. Now it's a, now it's kind of an actual mystery. So I, I really, really liked being able to have that freedom. But, you know, I think in so many ways that is the beauty of romance because you can write a romance and yet it can be so many other things like at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's, it's just really wonderful. Like it really gives you a lot of room to play with because the romance is always, it's kind of the heart of the story, but there's so many different aspects you can weave into it. And this is why I'm always giving the side eye to people who don't kind of give genre fiction the time of day because it's so silly. Like you can have this incredibly broad perspective. It's super inclusive. It's just like a lovely lens through which you can tell a story. So I don't, you know, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want like a little bit of spice in their, in their other kind of genre fiction story. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's the way that they feel, I don't know, like, like superior, you know, people who Mm. say, well, I don't read such and such. Like I only read, and then they'll name some, you know, very (laughs) fancy kind of literary author. And I'm like, okay, like that's that's cool. If that's really what you love and that's what you want to read, then I'm I'm very happy for you to do that. But if you're just telling me this because somehow like that makes you seem like a better sort of more discerning reader. Exactly. It's then, such an no. Yeah. Like why this form of like reading elitism is bizarre. Like oh, it's it's almost like those people who uh who like their bookshelves to all have the same trim size and you're just like that's ridiculous like a bookshelf should be messy and interesting like those are your books like presumably you read them they're not there for you to look at and it's really that's like it's like the the literary equivalent of like oh I only read like Martin Amos I don't read yes (laughs) right you know I I don't read like genre books you know they just they don't have enough depth oh my god yeah. Ugh. And I'm just like, okay, well, sure, good for you. Like, you know, part of why we read is presumably because like we, we gain something from the time that we spend in a world that someone else has created. Yeah. Um, and so if that world for you is a very, you know, somber, like literary world, and that truly makes you happy, then, then great. But if it doesn't, then like, don't. Don't try to convince me and you. Uh, yeah, that exactly. it does. And it's a little bit one note where it's like, really, that's the only thing you want to read. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not not my jam, but yeah, you know, do you? I suppose with only literary fiction. Sure, that's why I think there are so many books. You know, I look at the like the list of things that come out each week, and I'm just thinking like, there's no way that I can ever, as much as I, I wish that I could, like I can ever keep up with mm-hmm. all these things. And so eventually it comes to kind of a, a winnowing down of like what actually, what will I read? Yeah. And even so, I I have like way more books than I will ever read. Um, and that's not likely to change because I keep getting more. Yep. No, my TBR pile is massive and ever growing, but I don't know. It, it gives me a certain kind of comfort. Like I'm never going to run out. Like there's always something to look forward to. And I think that's kind of nice. Like I don't, you know, I don't find it because I think I'm not, um, I'm not the kind of like achievement oriented reader where I'm like, Oh no, if I don't keep on top of this, I'm going to feel bad about myself. I think I'm the opposite where I just like being overwhelmed by books. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's my preference. I think it's a very good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Agree. Exactly like, that. I I can't really think of, of anything better than like this unending mm-hmm. supply of books that just comes like streaming in. <laughs> it's like a, the chocolate factory, but with books. <laughs> 
for a chocolate fountain. Mm. Really yes. just books all over. It, it sounds a little bit ouchy, actually, now that I think of, like, physically books dropping on your head. But I'm still, like, I would take it. I'm still, I'm Ooh, still. Yeah, I don't know that I want them on my head. Like, <laughs> you know, some of them are kind of weighty. They are and sharp. Yes. Um, I think I picture them because all of my books live in an iPad. Mm. So I kind of picture them as kind of like these light, like, floaty things, like in the ether. That is uh, highly accurate. And actually, I wonder why I still so automatically think of books as physical objects, because I also read on my iPad and um, my TBR is largely virtual. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, in my mind, it's still a stack, like it's still a bedside stack, which I do actually have, because um, apparently there's like some books that I just I like. I like the sight of them on my bedside table. <laughs> Even when I finish reading them, I just put them right back there. And I'm like, this this is unchanging. Yeah, like this this is where you stay. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming back on Book Bistro, especially on your release day. I hope that you have a fantastic day, that you celebrate this jewel of a Thistle Grove novel. And I am so incredibly excited for the third one, which is still kind of far away but not as far away as it could be (laughs) that's true it's true thank you so much for having me again this was the most wonderful way to start celebrating uh from bad to cursed release thank you um and hopefully i'll be back for back in a spell fingers crossed i hope so i hope so (laughs) can you let listeners know the best place to find you online of course. So um, I'm mostly on Instagram at Lana Light. Uh, it's L-A-N-A-L-Y-T-E. I'm also on Twitter at Lana Popovic Lit. Um, and I'm on Facebook if you really want to be my friend. Uh, not much happens on there. So I would uh, I would strongly recommend Instagram first. All right. So, again, this has been a discussion with author Lana Harper about her latest novel, From Bad to Cursed, which is the second book in the Witches of Thistle Grove series. It is out today, May 17th, 2022. All right. So this week is a little bit of a rarity as far as new books, because I'm not going to be talking to you about books that you've heard us mention before. I don't think we had a single August pick that was coming out on the 16th. So I'm starting to uh, talk about books that you haven't heard of mentioned before. And I'm going to start with some suspense slash mystery slash thriller stuff. First up is In the Pines. This is Columbia River Book 3 by Kendra Elliott. And Kendra Elliott is an author that's been writing for quite a while, but that I have actually just picked up for the first time this year with her um, Mercy Kilpatrick series, which I believe starts with A Merciful Truth. But this one is another series, um, and I think Brooke has read the first two in this one. So this is mystery with some romantic elements. I don't know that I would classify the romance in her books as enough to equal like romantic suspense, but definitely mystery with some romance thrown in. So this is In the Pines, and it's Columbia River, book three, by Kendra Elliott. We also have All Good People Here. This is by Ashley Flowers, and this is about a journalist who 
returns home and is digging up the secrets of her small town because she has decided that she needs to solve the case of the murder of her childhood neighbor. I've heard a lot of good early buzz about this, so I am definitely planning to pick this up. It is All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers. We also have a new Katherine Ryan Howard book. Um, Brooke and Christine are both fans of this author. This is Runtime. And again, the author is Katherine Ryan Howard. This is about a soap opera star who gets what she thinks is the chance she needs to move her career on to the new, like to the next level. So she ends up starring in a horror film and she is filming in this very remote part of Ireland. And apparently all kinds of creepy things start happening. Um, and so now, you know, she's kind of fighting for her life. This is Runtime by Catherine Ryan Howard. Joyce Fielding also has a new book out this week. This is The Housekeeper. And to be honest, Fielding has been hit or miss for me um, for probably the last 15 years or so. What she does well, she does really, really, really well. Um, the books of hers that I love, like, totally blew my mind. But then there are other ones that I don't love so much. And I know that that's not everyone's experience, obviously, not every author is for every person, um, but she is still someone that I pay attention to because, like I said, when she's on, she's on. So The Housekeeper is about a woman who inserts herself into the lives of a family. And, of course, people start to wonder if she has an, alter, uh, an ulterior motive. Is she really who she says she is? This is The Housekeeper, and it's by Joy Fielding. We also have The Blame Game by Sandy Jones. I have read a few of Sandy Jones' previous books and really enjoyed them. Um, the British psychological thrillers are really, really excellent so much of the time. Um, so The Blame Game has this really cool tagline, um, which is kind of the, the thing you know that catches your attention. And it says, games can be dangerous but blame can be deadly. And that's pretty much all I need to know. I am on hold for this at my public library, and I hope that it comes in soon. This is The Blame Game by Sandy Jones. We also have The Last Housewife. This is by Ashley Winstead. This is an author that first came to my attention because of Brooke, um, Early this year, Brooke read, In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, and she recommended it to me. I read it and loved it. Winstead has uh, since come out with her first contemporary romance. The Last Housewife is her second thriller, and I am beyond eager to read it. Um, this is about a group of college students who meet a man during their freshman year, and by the time they graduate, they are completely in his thrall. So I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be like a little bit of like a cult or a commune story. Um, I don't know. But if it's like anywhere near as good as In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, um, I will definitely be here for it. So this is The Last Housewife, and it's by Ashley Winstead. 
Okay, so I want to move on to some romance here. Um, first up, in terms of romance, we have Sophie Goes Lonely Hearts Club. This is by Roselle Lim. I think this is her third book, at least her third that I'm aware of. And it's about a woman who is looking for clients for her matchmaking business. But instead of finding clients, she finds a secret club in her like, condo um, complex. So I'm not sure what goes on in this club, um, but I'm guessing that she finds love and maybe some friendship there. This is Sophie Goes Lonely Heart Club by Roselle Lim. This next book is one that I just love for its title alone. This is Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. I have not read this yet, um, but I need to because its title is epic. Our heroine is a true crime aficionado, and it's really hard for her to kind of ease up and be open to romance because she's always expecting the worst of people, which I guess you would if you're always kind of looking at crimes that people commit and the ways in which you know they lie and deceive. So now she has to try to give love a chance and actually look for the best in someone instead of expecting the worst. This is Love in the Time of Serial Killers, and it's by Alicia Thompson. Is there an August that doesn't include a new Sandra Brown book? I don't know. I hope I don't find out for a long time. For so many years, there's always been a Sandra Brown book in August. This is Overkill. I am on hold for this at my public library. Um, it says I am second in line, so I hope whoever is first in line um, reads it really quick and, and returns it so that I can have it. This is about a couple who have been divorced for a number of years, and then there is an accident, meaning that the husband, or now I guess the ex-husband, has to come back into his ex-wife's ex life because he is her medical power of attorney. I'm guessing, knowing Sandra Brown, that will have some suspense woven into this story. Um, I am definitely looking forward to this because how can you not look forward to a Sandra Brown? But this is Overkill by Sandra Brown. And next up, I have a historical female-female romance. This is The Inconvenient Heiress, Spinsters of Inverley, book one by Jane Walsh. This is a new-to-me author who has been recommended to me a couple of times by a good friend um, who reads her and also knows that I am always on the lookout for historicals about women who love women. So this one is about a woman who has had a secret crush on her best friend for as long as she can remember. And suddenly her best friend is kind of swept up into what we know as the marriage mart. And fortune hunters abound. Um, and so she's trying to save her friend from these fortune hunters and also let her know that, you know, maybe love doesn't have to be found in the arms of a man. This is The Inconvenient Heiress, Spinsters of Inverlay, book one 
by Jane Walsh. All right, so I want to um, talk about some fantasy and science fiction here to round off this episode. Um, starting with fantasy, I have The Drown Woods by Emily Lloyd-Jones. This is part heist novel and part fairy tale. It is filled with Welsh legend, which makes me super excited. Um, I love books that are set kind of in, in Wales and Ireland and Scotland, and we don't see too much of Wales um, in, in fantasy these days. So I will definitely be picking this up. This is The Drowned Woods by Emily Lloyd-Jones. We also have The Oleander Sword. This is Burning Kingdom, book two by Tasha Suri. This is um, the second book in her new series. She had a trilogy that she just um, completed a couple of years ago, and now she is moving on to this Burning Kingdom series. And I have heard so, so many good things about not only her writing, but just her ability to really suck you into a story um, that, you know, once you start her books, they're very intense, very long, and just refuse to let you go. So if you love these kind of epic fantasy series, um, you should give her a try. This one is The Oleander Sword, Burning Kingdoms, book two, and it's by Tasha Suri. And we have a couple of science fiction books to talk about here before I say goodbye. Um, this is Dance with the Devil. It is Mercenary Librarians, book three by Kit Rocha. And this is a, um, a pseudonym for two women who write together, and they've written a bunch of, of series. Um, one is, is like the Beyond series, and they are these super sexy dystopian novels. Um, and the Mercenary Librarian series is a little bit different. It obviously focuses on librarians in a time where information is being, hmm, like, guarded. Um, that's not quite the word I want, but, like, you, it, it's not something that people have free access to. And so these librarians are kind of the, like, rebels who want to make information something that people are, are free to, to have. Um, I have heard great things about this series. I own the first book. I have not read it yet, but that is more because I have so many things to read and not because, you know, it, it doesn't look good to me because it definitely does. So this is Dance with the Devil, and it is Mercenary Librarians, book three, by Kit Racha. And last up, we have Blood of the Broken. This is the Atlantis Legacy, book five, by Lindsay Fairley. You may recognize this name. Lindsay Fairley is someone that um, I've talked about on the podcast with Stacey and Sarah before when we've talked about post-apocalyptic books. Um, she wrote she co-wrote a series called The Ending um, with Lindsay Pogue, and it's a series that the three of us have read and really liked. But on her own, Fairley has 
written um, a few kind of interconnected series that deal with time travel, I think, and this is one of them. I have not picked up any of these that she wrote on her own, um, although I do own several of them. I just have not started them yet. But this one, for those of you who may have started them, this one is Blood of the Broken, Atlantis Legacy, Book 5 by Lindsay Fairley. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope that you are finding lots of good books as summer kind of starts to wind down. Um, there are still two more Bookity Tuesdays in August, so you still have, you know, a chance at some great summer reading. I hope all of you are doing well and staying safe. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.